What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Welcome into the first Celtics Talk pod of 2021 here on the NBC Sports Boston Podcast Network. And today's very special guest. See, the problem is I've got a lot of a lot of Celtics fans inside the office, and they'll occasionally text me about the Celtics. And me and John were going back and forth last week, and uh, that was the perfect opportunity to rope him in. So John Tomasi joining us for the Celtics Talk podcast. What's up, John? It is a big honor. You're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to <laughs> oh, start no, no, no. 2021, but I'll take it. No, no. See, here's the thing. It's like, I, I love that. Like, selfishly, like Tom Curran comes around the corner. He wants to talk about scrappy point guards. Uh, your institutional <laughs> knowledge of the team is amazing. And so this was perfect, especially because, look, Jason Tatum's been great. We'll get to Jalen Brown. Probably should have been Eastern Conference Player of the Week. All that notwithstanding, the big topic, of course, this is now a Peyton Pritchard podcast because all we do is come up with nicknames and stand for Peyton Pritchard. Uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't bring myself to go full first take, hot take mode last night and say it, but Peyton Pritchard is sort of muscling his way into the best rookie conversation. I'm not going to say rookie of the year because he's not going to win that, especially once Kemba comes back, but... John, we didn't expect this from the the 26th pick in the draft, right? God, no. I mean, you go back to our all of our season preview shows, and we all said Aaron Neesmith is the rookie who has to make an impact because he's a wing, he's a shooter, he can spread the floor, he's exactly what they need. They took him 14th, and now you watch them play and you say, oh, my God, if you could redo this draft right now, Peyton Pritchard would be a top 10 pick, and Aaron Neesmith would be the guy – you're picking at the end of the first round as a project. So it's gone completely differently. We had no preseason, so it wasn't like we could watch him and say, oh, you know, he's opening some eyes. It just caught us all completely flat-footed on opening night, and it's been super fun to watch. Yeah, so uh, I was talking with Danny Ainge uh, before the season, and uh, he had said something like, you know, oh, Peyton's looking really good in these initial workouts. And I'm thinking, that's Danny gassing his guy up. You know, like, I I didn't want to get too – too uh, overly optimistic about what he what he could bring, but no, he's lived up to it. And the part of the reason I think Danny likes him, it's it's Danny Ainge 2.0, right? Like you know, scrappy guy who can shoot, who like doesn't be isn't fearful going to the basket. What about Pritchard's game stands out most to you? Yeah, so I'm gonna embarrass myself right now and never be invited back on your podcast. So. <laughs> I, so when they drafted him, you know, you do that thing where you just start Googling. And so the first thing that popped up was the dribble, you know, drills that he was doing in his basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's got a little Steph Curry. He's not Steph Curry. I'm just saying. And he did it with one ball, not two, but it was still it was a little Steph Curry, like, you know, the hyper, you know, fast dribbling, whatever. I'm like, that's kind of neat. Then you watch the very first game. I'll admit I wasn't super dialed in on the preseason because they were so terrible. So you watch that first game. And the first thing you see is he never picks up his dribble. Yes. Kind of like Steve Nash. He's not Steve Nash. I'm just saying. It reminded me a little Steve Nash. Like he would always keep his dribble under the basket and you just have so many more options. You know, you're used to seeing guards. They dribble to the baseline. They pick up their dribble. They get trapped, whatever. He doesn't do that. I'm like, oh, interesting. Then you watch him shoot threes. And I'm like, geez, he kind of looks like Mark Price. So I've I've now compared him (laughs) to two MVPs and a multi-time all-star. Like a little price to his game. And then we watch him a little bit more and he's done it like three or four times now where he does the Statue of Liberty thing with the left hand and big guys can't, they don't, they don't touch him. It's like, Mm -hmm. he's invisible. And it's like, that's, there's a little Kyrie. There's a little Isaiah Thomas. So clearly I've lost my mind with all of the people. So he's not any of those guys, but just the fact that you can be 
reminded of those guys watching this little rookie kind of nobody point guard college senior for god's sake <laughs> okay i'll breathe now i love it because you said you were going to come with a tommy heinson like comparison <laughs> but tommy usually stopped at one like he would call steams bill russell and then move on yes. you just you just compared him like three mvps and two all-stars uh that's pretty impressive but like it is true it's just his feel for the game is not what you typically see for a rookie. And look, I'm as guilty as of it as anybody. I went, if I have to pick between the 19 year old kid with a huge upside and the 22 year old who in my mind is a finished product, you know, I'm always like, Let's just, you got to go for the 19 because who knows what he can become. Yep. But you look at someone like that and it's just, especially for this team where you need steady guys, it feels like he's the perfect fit for this group. I am interested in getting your take. What do you think his role is once Kemba comes back? And now I think initially it's probably pretty obvious, right? There's still room for three point guards, four point guards. If you're, if you're talking about smart Teague, Pritchard and Kemba, but once that rotation starts to crunch down, you know, how do you think Brad will, will play that out? Can Pritchard sort of win those minutes over Teague? Yeah, I think absolutely. If things go the way they are now. And I mean, Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague is 32 He's been around the block. There's a reason he was available. There's a reason he's on, what, his third or fourth team in the last couple of years. I like Teague. He's sort of a steady veteran guy, but he's steady. You you just talked earlier about upside. Who has the higher upside in this roster? Certainly right now it's Pritchard. And you also have to worry about Teague's health. He's already hurt. It took three or four games for him to get hurt. So I think clearly if Pritchard keeps playing like this, there's room for him to be one of the anchors of that second unit, which – you know, go back to last year. Those are Brad Wanamaker's minutes and Wanamaker, he's tough and he makes every free throw he's ever taken, but limited, you know, limited guy. It seems like you have a much more dynamic second unit ball handler facilitator. That's the role that, you know, should be there for him right through to the playoffs if he keeps playing like this. Uh, not to divert, but there was a thread on Reddit and in the title was why Brad, Maker, Brad Wanamaker is a basketball hall of famer. <laughs> I, I almost spit out my coffee, but then like they laid it out and based on, because remember, it's not the NBA hall of fame. It's the basketball hall of fame. So a lot of it's yeah. based on like your entire basketball career and you know, okay. He didn't win a national title, but he had a very good college career. Then he went overseas and he was like MVP of, of these pretty o- good overseas leagues. By the time I stopped reading the thread, I was like, is Brad Wanamaker a basketball hall of Don't famer? Don't tell like, me. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, you got to go see the thread. It convinced me I, like within five minutes. And then, and then like a day later he signed with golden state and I said, the Celtics let another Hall of Famer get away. So uh, that is the break. I want to point this out. Our friends at Points Bet Sportsbook have Rookie of the Year odds, and they've been updated recently with Peyton Pritchard's emergence. Right now, he is at plus 4,000. He has the 15th best odds among all current rookies. If you bet $100, you would win $4,000 if Peyton Pritchard was to win Rookie of the Year. Again, I'm reluctant to go there because I feel like, you know, he's probably not going to get the sort of minutes that a Lonzo Ball or Anthony Edwards and all these other James Wiseman's, all, all these guys that are, are going to probably be in that conversation. But if you look right now, John Tomasi, the, 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 the most points in a game by a rookie so far this year, Peyton Pritchard last night with 23. How do you feel about his rookie of the year odds? Yeah, not good. I mean, like you said, it's just going to be a matter of minutes. Like LaMelo is going to play a ton of minutes. Wiseman is going to play a ton of minutes also on a good team. So you figure Pritchard as a second unit guy, that probably isn't a recipe for rookie of the year, but 
could he be first team all rookie for the 22nd pick? Hell yeah. And that would be pretty impressive. I, I, I wonder if we could get some odds on that because I would feel pretty confident going there. And that, even that would be remarkable because you think about it in recent years, like Jalen Brown was second team all rookie, I believe, you know, wasn't like it kicked down the door. It's hard for these guys to sort of bust their way through what I like to call the Brad Stevens rookie wall. Now, sometimes there's necessity. Grant Williams was able to get out there a lot. And Jason Tatum obviously played, but I thought like Jalen Brown really had to wait for his opportunity uh, was a quick hook with the defensive side. We're seeing it now with Aaron Neesmith where, you know, you can see there's some glimpses there, but just like you said, it, 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 we probably expected more uh, early on just because the Celtics had a need on that wing position. Uh, Pritchard doesn't like, you can put him out there. He was guarding miles Turner the other I night. Know. And like, that just doesn't happen with rookies. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the college senior thing clearly makes a huge difference. You know, you see that and there's not too many of those guys, Buddy Heald, right? I think he was one, but generally you don't see those four-year guys anymore. And so he did come in clearly with a more advanced understanding of the game than say Neesmith, who, who I would like to see catch rim on, on one of these threes. He just looks nervous. I feel bad for him. He seems very nervous, but at least right now it's taking the heat off of him that Richard is doing what he's doing because you think where they would be right now, having lost Kemba, having lost Hayward, if they weren't getting something from this rookie class and, you know, Teague is already hurt. You're saying, my God, this is really a two man team. He's just given them life, which is crazy. All right, let's shift gears. Let's go over to those uh, two man stars that you were talking about. Can we go uh, back for one second? Yeah. Can we go, go back? backwards? We no, have fine. not addressed the P rabbit. No, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad I have it on my rundown. And I totally forgot to get yeah. there. We have to talk about Peyton Pritchard's nickname. Thank you for keeping me honest. This is like, I can't even imagine because this is like the entire post game live has turned into let's, <laughs> let's force this P rabbit and which I'm guilty of as well. Uh, all right. So let, let me run them down and then I want, I need to get your take on it. So yeah. uh, it started with Tristan Thompson came on our network and said, you know, because he's double T he called him double P. Yeah. Jalen Brown in the post game called them the goat, maybe a little bit premature, but yeah. you know, Hey, he had a good game. Uh, Jason Tatum followed up on, on uh, Instagram by dubbing him eight mile, which then just caught fire. Yeah. Uh, we took it to post game live. We sort of spun off of that and said, you know, eight miles, is the name of the movie, but the character in that movie is B rabbit. We changed it to P rabbit. Perk loved it. Tristan Thompson actually signed off on it. Celtics nation though, loves the nickname fast PP which was his social media handle before he got to the NBA. It sort of caught, took on a life of his own. And I think he says he changed it. As you'll hear later in this, uh, in this podcast, when I, I talked to him before media day, he changed it just for uh, continuity sake to his, his, his name, Peyton Pritchard, but Celtics weird Twitter really loves fast PP. And it does make me laugh every time I say it. So okay. uh, what do you like? First of all, Celtic weird Celtics Twitter, no offense. There's a little bit of a QAnon kind of vibe to that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm totally down on time Lord. I despise time Lord, but that's another one of your things, but that's not the, the discussion we're having right yeah. now. Okay. Fast BP, no offense. No, not going there. <laughs> it just makes you think of him wetting his pants. We don't, we have no interest in that. So here's my thing with P rabbit versus eight mile. I love eight mile. I, t- I think in a, I would take that a thousand times over P rabbit. First of all, a teammate gave him that name, Jason Tatum. So that has to carry extra weight when it comes to a teammate, because you can't like say, yeah, yours is okay, but here's why mine is better. And the only thing I could think is like, when uh, Shaq called over Steve Bullpet from the Herald to be like, yeah. hey, write this in your notebook. Paul Pierce is the MFing truth. 
you Bopet couldn't be like, actually, you should consider calling him Veritas because it's Harvard's motto and it's Latin for truth. And they're both Boston institutions. And no, let me explain. No, he called him the mother bleeping truth. And that's what he is. He's the truth. The other thing is this movie is 20 years old. I don't think the bee rabbit part is what people associate mm-hmm. with the movie. He named him 8 Mile because he looks like Eminem. The reason it works as 8 Mile and you don't just call him Eminem is because the movie is about the hard scrabble rise mm. of a young, you know, white kid in an urban world and he's succeeding. And so that's why that works. If you ask people who B-Rabbit is, they're like, uh, yeah, is that's that fair. like a I, I had to Google punk? it. So that shows yeah, you, right? So it's yeah. like, and that's the last thing. You have to explain it. If you have to explain it, it doesn't work. You don't have to explain 8 Mile. Everybody gets it immediately. End of rant. I think you've convinced me. I might just have to like, I'm going to, I'm going to still cater to weird Celtics Twitter because yeah. it can only help my approval rating. So <laughs> I will, I will say fast PP every chance I get when, or at least when I tweet, and then I might have to stick with eight mile. You could tell I, I, I got Tatum in the walk off last night and I kind of threw it out there for him and you could tell he was, yeah, a he didn't bit look warm. no, no. And, and, and that sort of confirms what you said, right? Like I might be overthinking it. It's a good name, but it's in its next level, but it's almost too many levels. Like It's too many levels. It's like, yeah. no, here, let me explain why. The, the, once you have to explain it, you've lost. Yeah. And so then, I'm with Scal on this one. Nothing against you, Abby and Perk. But yeah. uh, I can't I can't go pee rabbit. No, and that's fair. Like, I, I'll admit, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm lukewarm on it, too. Like, I, I like that we, we put the effort into it and that it lined up. But, you know, it just feels like it might be a little too deep. And if, if the team just wants to go straight eight mile. Who am I to judge? And also, you made yeah. me feel super old by noting that 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 movie is two decades old right now. Yeah. Well, how do you think impossible. I feel? I'm Eminem's age, so mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what we do. All right, now, <laughs> now let's shift gears. Uh, we've made it uh, something like 20 minutes into a podcast without talking about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown beyond nicknames. Uh, they've been phenomenal. I want to start with Tatum. You know, what impressed me is in this back-to-back, he starts out the first night, gives the game a career-high 12 assists. Uh, really read the defense, set up Jalen Brown for a big late three, but then when it mattered, took the big shot, made the big shot, went out the basket with the big shot, which was most uh, most impressive. Uh, and then the next night when they're shorthanded, even after the bench gave him that initial boost, Tatum was like, all right, you know what? We're not losing tonight. Uh, gets to whatever it was, 25, 28 before halftime. Uh, probably should have gone way higher than 40, but you know didn't play a whole lot of minutes until he had to get thrown back in and there at the end. Uh you know, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to say turning the corner, making a leap, like, he's done all those things. But when I bring up Jason Tatum and where he's at as a player, you know, what, what especially with these last two games, what, what, what do you, uh, what jumps to your mind? Yeah, I mean, so you watch both of them, Tatum and Brown, and we're still in the mode of what do they do better now than they did last year or even last week. And you brought it up, you know, two games ago, 12 assists, zero turnovers, which... Yeah. For both of these guys, they were both good scorers coming into the NBA. But the other parts of the game, you know, passing out of double teams. And we even saw it with Tatum, like within the last week, he gets blitzed on double teams and he's kind of unsure of what to do with the ball. He cleans that up immediately. You go back to the beginning of the year, you know, the game winning three against Milwaukee was lucky. It was not a great shot, banked it in. And the one against Indiana was not a good shot at all. And now you see in these late game situations, they run a play for him. He gets an open three and misses it a couple games ago, uh, Detroit. Then he goes to the hoop because he gets the matchup that he wants and he knows uh, who was on him. Blake Griffin uh, was not going to stay with him. Thank you. Blake Griffin, who fell over because he knew (laughs) I'm going to make one move and he's going to fall down because he's old. 
And so then he pulls up for the jumper. And so you're just seeing like, oh, here are things that I did wrong early in the season and I'm adjusting for it on the fly. Like that's what you want to see out of your star players. And that, those are the kind of things when you say the sky really is the limit for this guy. All right. And now Jalen Brown, who, yeah, it, like it was a 70 day off season. I didn't expect him to come back with new tricks in the, in, in the bag. And yes. yet here he is like making it look like he's never missed a mid range jumper in his life. <laughs> he, uh, he's got great court vision right now. He's playing with just uh, a tremendous amount of confidence, even more than I thought was inside the bubble. And that just tells me that like, you know, he's, he's just, he's just so confident right now that that's the sort of the next step for him is just being like, I can be an all NBA type guy. And if he stays on that path, he, he might actually muscle his way into that conversation. I thought you phrased this perfectly when you told me you wanted to talk about Jalen Brown. Cause it's something I, I kind of got to get off my chest too. You know, we were wrong about Jalen Brown and I'll tell you my story and, and then I'll let you get to yours. But mm-hmm. so what, what it is is, when the Celtics were going into that draft and obviously there was a lot of buzz about should they trade that pick? And, you know, I I certainly was part of that, you know, you got to think about it because based on what was out there, but once they started to narrow in on Jalen Brown, I I wrote this column for ESPN and I said, analytics say that this guy is not going to work and he's never going to get the shot right. And, you know, even in a small sample, this is a risky pick with the number three pick. And I, I, I have not gone back and read it. I pray to God I did not lobby for Chris Dunn. Uh, I was just going to say, were you in on Chris Dunn? I, 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 I think it was more like, I was like, this is why they definitely need to trade this pick is because you need a more surefire option. Uh, looking back, I was completely wrong. And I, I, like, I did not think that Jalen Brown would shoot 80% from the mid-range at any point in his career, especially not over an eight-game sample. Uh, but here he is looking like maybe one of the best two-way wings in the league. Yeah, so I'm with you. I was a big Jamal Murray guy because mm-hmm. he was a little younger, and I was just like, you know, this is somebody who can shoot, and that's what I was most interested in because I'm a simpleton when it comes to basketball. <laughs> so Jalen Brown was like, oh, he's an athlete. I mean, that is a thing, but I wasn't sure what to make him when they drafted him. So he gets into the league. The one shot he could make kind of consistently was that little fall away where he just hangs forever in the lane. I feel like he shot about 90% on those for his career. The thing that I worried about this year that I was completely wrong about was, all right, Hayward is gone. Hayward was the guy the offense ran through a lot Mm -hmm. at the top. Brown was always open in the corner. He's got to be the guy handling the ball now. And I think we can agree, like, the one part of his game that seemed to lag a little bit was ball handling and decision-making. So I'm like, what's going to happen when the ball is in his hands all the time? And we saw in the preseason he wasn't very good, like, real aggressive defense in his face and a lot of turnovers and kind of sloppy. And so I worried about that. And then the season starts, and like you said, he's making all the right passes. He's making the right decisions. He's not forcing his offense, which on a team when there's only two guys, like Tatum forces his offense from time to time. Brown really doesn't. And the other thing that jumps out at me is he's always been super athletic in the open court. He's always been a great finisher in the open court, little less so in traffic. And you look at him this year, and it's like if he gets to the rim and he gets the ball up, it's going in and he's just become a much better like contested finisher. And I don't know how, you know, what the analytics say about that, but just watching him, that's the thing that really jumps out. So he's making better decisions. He doesn't miss and he finishes at the hoop. So it's, it's really like if he would just make free throws at a rate, you know, commensurate with everything else we just described, you're really talking about a complete offensive player. 
Yeah, and, and that first game against Milwaukee, there was a technical foul call. They ended up writing on this because I thought it was fascinating. Jalen Brown was probably the worst free throw shooter on the court, maybe Tristan Thompson, yep. walked up to the line and took the free throw. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And he made yep. it. And all of a sudden the floodgates opened. And so if you can get, again, I think that goes back to like the confidence now. I think before he was worried that he didn't have the handles to get to the basket. Um, I mean, probably not. He would admit that, but I think there's something in the back of your head that says, you know, I'm not going to get there. And then can I finish through traffic? Now I think he's just like, you can't stop me. And I'm strong enough to finish around the basket. I just think that's all sort of come together for him. Did have six turnovers the other night, but like you said, like he's going to have the ball in his hands so much and he's going to be forced to be that sort of secondary playmaker that I'm okay. If he has those sort of nights, like it hasn't been the norm. That's more of the outlier this year uh, for him, for Tatum to have that 12 assists, zero, zero turnovers for, for Brown to be a steady. It is rather remarkable. And then you think about when they get Kemba back, uh, it could certainly help them. All right, I want to blast through a little bit here. Uh, the bench, like, especially going into that game against Toronto, I said, oh, God, uh, no smart, no Teague. You know, how is this bench going to suffice? We've already raved about Pritchard. I'm curious for your take. Uh, another thing I was very, very wrong about, Shemi Ojale has turned into a serviceable player this year. Is that sustainable? Yeah, so, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I'm less sold. I'm less sold on that. The weird thing with Ojale is you go back and you look at his college career, especially the year at SMU, he was like a 40% three-point shooter. So when he came into the league, I remember looking at him and Tatum. Tatum wasn't a great three-point shooter in college. So I thought, oh, Ojale, I know nothing about this guy, but I know he can make threes, so stick him in a corner. And then, my God, clang, 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 clang. But – you know, the last few games they've gone down for him. Obviously, I think we need to see a little bit more than that. But the interesting thing about him conceptually, if he can make the three, is I'm sure we're going to get to the two big lineup. But we can just address the two big lineup. That needs to go away. And you see it when and Scal was talking about the broadcast constantly last night when Ojale is making threes in the corner. It just spreads the floor for everybody else. Whereas when you have Tice out there, he made the first two and I think he's made one since. Defenses don't respect him out there. Ojale allows you to space the floor. That's something I wouldn't have expected to say maybe a month ago. Uh, but so far, that's been the case. And then you add in everything he does defensively. He's a legit four. I mean, just yeah. bulk-wise, he's huge. I've read your story about the kettle balls and all of that <laughs> stuff, smashing him against the wall. So at some point, he was going to smash through that wall. And it mm -hmm. seems like maybe this year he's doing it. So, I mean, I... I've been down on Shemi because I feel like, especially in the playoffs, he just couldn't roll over that success. He actually shot, I think, 37.9% beyond the three-point arc last season, but just couldn't maintain it. And then Grant goes into the bubble and catches fire. It's sort of flip-flopped at the start of this year where Grant has regressed a little bit and he's in that tweener mode where you don't know quite where you can put him. I mean, we a lot of us had Grant Williams penciled in for a starter this year with that, with that first unit, and he hasn't been able to do that. I still think that's something they can go to down the road, but Grant certainly has to improve and get better um defensively it just hasn't been as crisp this year but you saw last night like gets the dnp and bounces back against toronto i like that grant they need more of that uh but you are absolutely correct brad stevens can especially early in the season i don't want to say stubborn but rooted in his ways likes data likes to see you know likes to put some stuff in his back pocket in terms of okay can we go back to that too big lineup if we see Milwaukee in the playoffs like what happens if we see uh Philadelphia and they go big you know he just wants to know and okay but those lineups have been terrible <laughs> and just putting Shemi in there changed everything last night and so I do I like if he goes back to that double big on Wednesday night against Miami I'm just convinced he's trolling us 
but 100%. I don't care if it's Shemi. I don't care if it, like I've lobbied a little bit for Neesmith. And I know that sounds crazy based on the early returns because he just hasn't been good defensively and they need a little bit of defense right now. But shooting just makes so much of a difference when you have Jalen and Jason on the court and the way that, that it opens up for them. I don't think it's any surprise that Jason Tatum has that monster second quarter. You know why? Because they never went double big and they spread the floor and let them get hot. Please, 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 more of that. Uh, last bench guy, uh, and this is mandatory. Uh, John Henry, do we have a sponsor yet? Where Do I, do I have my Time Lord Swatch Watch uh, segment working yet? Working on it. Thank you. Thank you. I also need graphics. I'm, you promised me graphics. I need you to get your Adobe Illustrator skills up for the new year. Uh, this is the segment where I talk about Time Lord being awesome for two minutes and force my guest to nod and uh, smile. Uh, the floor is yours. John, John, John Tomasi. Uh, what have your impressions of the Time Lord been through the first part of the season? I hate that name. I'm just going to say it. I know I've, that's a completely losing battle. It's rooted in unprofessionalism. But anyway, be that as it may, uh, you know, impressed so far. I'm probably not as high as you are. I still think there's a lot of inconsistency there. Certainly last night he uh, exploited garbage time as well as any player on the court. I do worry about just, it's kind of like with Ojale, where you feel like maybe there's diminishing returns the more you see them. The one idea I like is you have these three big guys now. So if you just kind of use them all equally, they all give you slightly different things. As long as you're not overexposing him, I think for now, that's fine. It's so a little more lukewarm than you. But I would love to hear what you think after last night and just the last week. I actually didn't even realize that he had 15 rebounds. And just like you, I kind of went back and watched it. I was like, oh, he was just kind of vacuuming up everything at the end there. And that's fine. You know, uh, I've sort of dug in here, like as much as I've waved my pom-poms for uh, much of the off season about how vital he could be. I do agree. Like consistency is the thing. Uh, every time he gets bumped, he seems to be grabbing like a knee or an arm or something. I'm like, he's just a little too brittle. So yeah. I need him to, and I don't know how you do that. Like toughen up. I think he just plays hard and sometimes they probably do hurt. Like far be it from me. Like I got a paper cut the other day and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about missing a PGL. So uh, like, I just think there's another level for him to go to, but when he plays with energy, he's been awesome. And that's all you're asking for. Like Tristan Thompson is going to take the majority of the minutes while Daniel Tice is here. You know, if he moves to a, a second unit role or whether those two flip flop, whatever it is, there's not going to be a lot of time Lord minutes. It's going to be hard to get a third center out there. So uh, you're not asking a lot out of him, but I think his development is important. And I think the fact that Tristan Thompson has embraced bringing him along is important too, because I think there's a chance that Daniel Tice is traded at some point this season, or if nothing else after the season, I think it's going to be hard to retain him. So I think time Lord is critical for your team moving forward. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be measured, but uh, allow me my victory laps when I can. Cause I'm not right on a lot of things as Jalen Brown articles prove and, and such. So um, I want to go out on this. You, uh, you showed up today and you had a little goodie bag in your hand and I need you to explain it again. Hold on. All right. So Celtics fans don't really like this name, Italian. But the day he was hired, I somehow was a very young, like 20-something-year-old reporter with a ponytail, and they <laughs> handed out Rick Pitino Rigatoni. And so obviously, I kept it. I've had it now for, when was he hired? 97? Yeah. 96? It was a 96. Tim Duncan draft, whatever year that was. Yeah, 97. So I've had this now for 25 years. This is an unopened jar of marinara sauce. It still Anybody holds up remarkably well. Yeah, it actually has. The seal hasn't given out. Uh, it doesn't have a sell-by date, so I think that means it's still good. I might uh, throw so that yeah. one to use. 
So Rick Patino, pasta and sauce. I have kept them through three moves for 25 years. You may say that is disgusting. I say you're disgusting. <laughs> uh, goodie bags are not walking through that door. Uh, no. And if they did, they will be old and gray. They will have uh, salmonella. The, the it's it's fascinating to me because I, I have to rewind myself to that point in Celtics history and remember that it was it was pretty barren at that point because uh, the fact that the the coach was that hyped up. Uh, blows my mind because they barely you know they'll have a a guy who's in all nba consideration and and other teams will send out these big press materials and magnets and stickers and joel and bead backpacks and the Celtics are just like hey please vote for our guy which i respect like you know you don't need it's not a it's not a dog and pony show even though the media does vote for some of these things uh but the fact that they gave out pasta and that you still have it and i still have it the pasta and the how many house how many different living situations have you had that you've had the truck that passed along three through? okay three and two three and 24 years 25 years now not bad yeah. not bad it's yeah. not like it's been to the moon and back but that's it still- has been in my attic which is 110 degrees in the summer <laughs> and like 30 below in the winter so it's survived all kinds of seasons it's, whenever, t- it's new england marinara whenever banner 18 goes up we'll make a uh, the 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 NBCU Media Center here, uh, our BMC, our new glistening billion dollar building, has a little demo kitchen, and we'll maybe we'll cook up a little pasta and uh, yeah, and celebrate good. the. Because uh, I don't know if there's, the, I'd hate for it to go to waste. That did look good still. I can't believe there's no I mold agree. on that pasta sauce. Maybe I'll bring the pasta. You bring the ambulance. All right. <laughs> we're gonna need another vaccine for for whatever we get catching <laughs> eating that food. All right. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. I want everyone to like, subscribe to the Celtics Talk podcast. Leave a comment. If you're watching on the YouTube page, go ahead and roast us down below. Always enjoy you guys making fun of us. Uh, I think I mentioned Lonzo Ball at one point during this podcast instead of LaMelo Ball. So go figure. Like I ruin segments all the time. We're going to get you out of here today with a interview I did with Peyton Pritchard before the start of the season. Uh, my biggest takeaway is just like, the confidence was coming through even then. And maybe I should have known where, you know, all he talked about was wanting to win. And as you'll hear, uh, you know, then we get into a little bit of his, of his username on social media, but have some fun with that. I think I'm on board with eight mile. Enjoy this interview with eight mile. We'll catch you next time on the Celtics talk podcast. Peyton, let's just start with how is the first few weeks here as a rookie been going? It's been going good again, settled in and uh, in Boston and uh, you know, just trying to pick up things fast. Uh, get acclimated and get ready for the season. So sometimes four-year college guys get a bad rap, like, you know, for, for staying in college that long. Like, how do you look at it, and, and how much does that experience help you uh, potentially hit the ground running in the NBA? I think I'm, I'm ready, to, ready to play right away. Um, in college, every year I took a jump in my game. I added uh, to my game every year. So for me, it's worked out great. Um, you know, for everybody has a different path. And I think you can look in the league and there's a bunch of four-year guys, three-year guys, two-year guys, one-year guys. So, and then um, guys that come from overseas. So everybody got a different path. So all I'm worried about is my own and, and trying to make it a, a successful one. Aiden Lillard was one of the guys who came out and sort of sung your praises uh, after the draft. What, what was that like? And did you have a relationship with him? How did, you, uh, how did he, he kind of know you from up there? Uh, we, you know, we have the Portland connection. I'm from Portland. Uh, Dane plays in Portland, so um, he's seen me growing up, and obviously, I've, I've watched Dane for many years now. Um, so, obviously, he's one of the best players in the NBA, and an awesome person to look up to. And, and um, you know, 
like I said, look up to and follow his, uh, his path. What's one thing you've learned already about being a Celtic? I'm part of a winning uh, organization, winning culture, and we want to win now. You sang Danny Ainge's praise. I think you said he was one of the uh, the, the best athletes, or or your people talk about him as someone coming out of the, the coming out of Oregon as the best athlete. Uh, just how much of a of a legend is Danny Ainge out there? Uh, he's one of the biggest. I mean, he's considered the best athlete, uh, three sport athlete to ever come out of Oregon. Um, so he it speaks for himself. So, what do you want to learn from guys like Kemba and Jeff Teague? Just how they approach the game. Uh, hopefully, I can add some of their skills to to my game, and but really just competing with them and uh, learning from them, and just how they approach the NBA life and all that. What would you consider a successful rookie season? Uh, being part of a. Uh, uh, a winning team and maybe winning an NBA championship. So I think that would be successful. What has it been like jumping in with, with some of these guys? Like, I, and I know Dan, they were mentioning, like, as soon as you showed up right after the draft, you get thrown on to some of this three-on-three. Three. What do you notice about the speed of the game, the, the level of competition? Uh, you know, just people are more quicker, more athletic. Um, so everybody's was the best on their college team. So at this level, you got to up your game a little bit more. Three-point line is the biggest difference, and maybe uh, the the lane is a little bit wider. So, uh, and there's different rules in the NBA. So it's just about picking those things up and all that. One thing that I heard from people after the draft was that you know you could bring a little bit of, of like Marcus Smart's like intensity and hustle and grit. Do you feel that way? Is that how you can make an impact as a rookie? Def definitely. Uh, you know, I always bring my competitive fire, um, and I know that's a, a way I can instantly help this team. Is you know being competitive and finding different ways I can contribute, which can be on the defense end, can be getting the loose ball, can be, I don't know, knocking down a big shot. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's just being competitive and being ready for that moment. And last thing, I know you said it at your rookie press conference, but just how hard is it to find a number with this team? It's, Jersey uh, number. It's very hard. You don't really have many options. So, um, but I, I like my number 11. Obviously uh, my favorite number, number three is retired. So, um, uh, I saw 11 and I took 11. You're going to have to change your Twitter handle or we've you brought it out as a uh, fast PP three or 11. I mean, do you, get, do you change it up? Uh, no, I just, I actually changed it to Peyton Pritch three just so people would know it's me more. Oh, well, there you go. Cause it's my, it's my, it's my Instagram handle. So I just changed it to both to be the same. Nice. There, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, hey, thank you so much for sticking around. So sorry to make you wait all day for this. No, appreciate it. Thank you. Take care.